You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn, your host, and with me today is Dr. Don Hudson. Dr. Hudson is a psychiatrist, retired Air Force medical officer, and medical advisor to the Airline Pilots Association, the largest pilot union in the United States. He comes to us from Denver, Colorado, and today we're discussing medical disasters and medical response to disasters. Don, let's talk a little bit about the spectrum of psychiatric disease that you see in your population nowadays. Okay. In this office here in Denver, obviously our population uh, is solely airline pilots. About 25% of the cases that we handle here are psychiatric in nature. And inside that 25%, um, as would not be unexpected in any professional group, about half of our psychiatric cases are clinical depression. And then about 25% are adjustment disorders, um, family and marital discord sort of issues. Another 10% are anxiety disorders, and that's probably a little lower than what you would normally see in other professional um, groups. 10 to 12% of our cases are involve substance abuse, and among the airline pilot population, that is overwhelmingly alcohol. We do not have a major uh, drug addiction problem in our in our population. And then the rest are kind of a hodgepodge of other conditions, including more severe anxiety disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder, personality disorders, um, and uh, even a few rarer birds than that. You mentioned post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, That's something that I suspect many of us don't know much about, especially outside the military. Maybe you could share with us a little bit about how historically uh, PTSD has been recognized or not recognized and treated among non-combatants like your population. Historically, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder was uh, first recognized and developed in the military services and in the VA system. Most of that was a a reaction to the Vietnam War and folks coming back uh, from that. Before Vietnam, uh, it was really known as combat stress, an acute stress reaction of, of combat and things like that. But after Vietnam, the psychiatric professionals in the military really um, defined and refined both the diagnosis and treatment of post-traumatic stress disorder. On the civilian side, that carried over really onto the civilian side uh, so that the recognition of this condition and its treatment is, is much better than it was even 10, 15 years ago. Pilots in particular and the aviation business we've obviously had in that industry, our share of medical disasters, how has PTSD and its recognition been incorporated into responses of those events? To give it some perspective, PTSD is a small percentage of our psychiatric cases, probably 2-3%. Um, however, when it does manifest itself, it, uh, it's something that can very quickly uh, disqualify a pilot from holding their medical certificate. So even though the numbers aren't large, it's a, it's a fairly serious thing. Looking back on the development of PTSD awareness and diagnosis and treatment inside the, the airline industry, it really began uh, back secondary to a, an aviation accident in 1989 in Hawaii, so Aloha Airlines uh, Flight 243, which some of you may remember it was a 737, and actually they lost essentially the roof of the aircraft, almost from the, just behind the cockpit to the tail of the aircraft. The top of it just peeled back, and it became essentially a convertible 737. 
Uh, there was one fatality and several injuries, and the crew, the two-person crew, very uh, heroically, and this is a, a condition where, or a situation where the word heroic really has meaning, uh, brought the uh, aircraft back and uh, and saved just uh, you know a lot of lives. However, the crew that did that, and again, there were two people, captain and first officer, as you can imagine, were really feeded, if you will, around the organization, the Airline Pilots Association, but also the FAA and other safety organizations. So um, they came back as heroes. They certainly did. And they were, by all accounts, uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise at the time. Exactly, and justifiably so. Uh, they, they really were heroes in the true sense of the word. However, unfortunately, the first officer developed the symptomatic uh, syndrome complex of PTSD and actually contacted uh, my office and spoke with me exactly one year from the date of the accident itself. And what had happened was the first officer had been actually at a a safety seminar receiving an award along with the captain uh, in Finland, I believe, if I remember correctly. And the first officer had a panic attack just a tremendous uh, surge of anxiety and dread about getting on the airplane and coming back uh, to the United States. You are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn, and I'm speaking with Dr. Don Hudson, and we're talking about medical disasters and medical response to them. So, Don, we were talking about the Aloha flight in 1989, and you got a call from uh, the first officer on the one-year anniversary. Is that, I assume that's significant. It is indeed. As it developed, when the first officer called and, and I spoke with that person, um, they had no idea really what was going on, were quite, uh, as you can imagine, anxious and, and frightened uh, about what the implications of what they were feeling might be for their medical certificate. And as I developed the history a, a little bit, it was clear that the first officer had actually been having symptoms of PTSD for probably two to three months before this crisis moment ar- arrived. Eventually, when uh, that person came back to the States, uh, she uh, received treatment and uh, was able to uh, maintain her medical license and uh, is flying today as a captain for Aloha Airlines. So I assume that all helped us to get better at uh, recognizing treating, uh, referring such people? It did indeed. That uh, first officer, who's now a captain, really was the lead person in terms of setting up pilot committees inside uh, several airlines to actually identify and get these people uh, a treatment in the future. I guess when you talk about airline disasters and medical disasters, you can't help but think of the crews and the aircraft involved in September 11th. I understand you had some personal involvement with some crews on that day? Some crews on that day, uh, and obviously to put it in some context, uh, clearly uh, 9-11 was a traumatic event for our entire country, but particularly in the airline industry. Many pilots felt a deep sense of almost betrayal in terms of what their training had been as far as dealing with hijackers, uh, because up until that time, we really hadn't dealt with suicidal hijackers. Most of the hijackers wanted they wanted something or wanted to go somewhere and negotiate uh, demands, and obviously these hijackers had nothing of the sort uh, in mind. Uh, so in a, in a sense, the training that the pilots received at the time betrayed them a bit on that on that day because one of the first things the hijackers did when they took control of the airplane was to kill the crew, uh, the pilots uh, involved there. That day was obviously, again, very, very traumatic for everyone, uh, but particularly because there were uh, there's actually one crew that actually observed 
the American Airlines jet uh, it flew into the uh, the Pentagon uh, that day. They were actually on the ramp uh, over at uh, Nash- Washington National Airport. Uh, you can only imagine the emotions and things that were going through their minds at the time. Um, and then actually one of those crew members developed, eventually developed uh, post-traumatic stress disorders uh, secondary to that. Now, I know we talk about early recognition of PTSD. Is there such thing as prevention of PTSD? Did you talk to this crew, or if you had, uh, would you have advice for them at, in real time? Well, I'm not sure there's necessarily such a thing as preventing development of the syndrome. However, um, I, I do think early contact with folks who are at risk is very helpful. In this particular case, one of the real advantages of early contact with people is that you also open a channel of communication so that if they do develop more severe symptoms or start having difficulty in the future, they have a, uh, someone they can reach and then get help uh, right away or you know, much uh, earlier on in the symptom complex. And, and that's, that has implications in terms of uh, prognosis. Is there a spectrum of response? Uh, like if you took 10 professional airline pilots who saw the same horrific incidents, would some develop PTSD, some not? Yes. I mean, just like any psychiatric or emotional syndrome, there there is a spectrum of not everyone is going to react the same to events. And uh, some of it has to do with, you know, what your pre-morbid state is and what you sort of bring to the party, so to speak. And, and others has to do with the event itself and how close it hits home to you both as a professional but also in a, in a more personal sense as well. So, so there is quite a range of, uh, of reaction. Can you tell us about the medical response that you're aware occurred for airline pilots or flight attendants or other airline uh, personnel after 9-11, either through your union or other unions or the uh, airlines? And do you think it was appropriate? Do you think we could do better? Uh, are we going to do anything different in the future? In terms of 9-11 itself, there was a very good response. Uh, fortunately, you know, a lot of this was due to the committee structure that had been set up after the uh, Aloha Airlines uh, accident. There were committees, standing committees ready to do what we call defusing and debriefing of folks um, after 9-11 who were having you know, emotional reactions to it. And there were a lot of contacts that occurred in the week after the attacks in particular. And, and I think that that had a lot to do with the fact that we didn't have that many severe cases of PTSD secondary to the attacks themselves. Is it appropriate to reach out to people, or should we as either responders or primary care providers expect them to come to us? That's a difficult question, but I would say in general you want to at least make yourself available so that if people are having difficulties, they realize that there is someone that they can call and talk to in confidence about problems that they're having. I think that's more important than necessarily you know, trying to compel people to talk about how they're feeling right after uh, a traumatic event. You do want to make it available for those who feel a need, but certainly not compulsory. Yeah, I would think it would be sometimes difficult to be proactive with people who are rather stoic about their profession, like pilots, like physicians. How about physicians? Have you had any experience or any thoughts about physicians and PTSD, especially folks that are first responders to disasters? I think physicians and other first responder healthcare personnel are a little bit of a special case because uh, depending on what sort of medical organization they're in, they may get a fair amount of exposure or they may not get much. And it could be you know very episodic, but also very intense. I think just like any other group of people, you'll see a, a range of responses. But there's no question that physicians, just like any other uh, 
person can develop the symptoms of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Do you feel that the primary care provider community and or the various organizations are aware of the uh, sort of the caliber of disaster of, of not recognizing PTSD? Uh, do you think we're getting better at it? Do you think there's more for us to do? You know, my sense of it is that there is greater awareness of this issue out there among the uh, primary care uh, uh, community. You can always say that there, there's more that we can do in terms of raising that awareness, uh, but uh, I, just myself, I've certainly noticed that it's much better than it was even uh, five, ten years ago in that regard. And that's good news for all of us. Don, I want to thank you for uh, being with us today. Dr. Don Hudson has been our guest today, and we've been talking about medical disasters and medical responses to disasters. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals.